Talkie Talk, the podcast for the mediabyus.com. Joining me today is Chris, TJ, Brent, hey, and my name is David. And this is the first podcast for the week, so we are going to talk about what we've been watching and conclude with the news on the street. A.K.A. Streety on the Breeze. Streety on the Breeze. <laughs> breezy on the Weeds. I'm still, I'm still Breezy on the Weed. Alright, so does anyone want to kick off what they've been watching or playing? I watched... Kick off. Um, this is TJ. This is TJ. I will start. <laughs> we'll see. Two movies. I watched The Why Him, which was 2016. Does it stand for Young Male? Comedy. Yeah. James Franco, Brian Cranston. It was okay. Megan Mullally. Megan Mullally is in it. John Hamburg is the director. He did two great comedies, I thought. Uh, Along Came Polly, which is one of my favorite rom-coms. And I Love You, Man. The Genesis of Sharded. I love I Love You, Man. Uh, yeah. So I like both Pauly. those movies a lot. Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Along Came Polly is some of his best comedic work. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he's, I think he's funnier in The Master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a popular opinion. Gut busting. <laughs> The movie was fine. It's a very average romantic comedy. James Franco is pretty funny. Super predictable. I heard that uh, that you know I watch a bunch of YouTube nonsense because they're three minute, easily digestible clips for a millennial like me. Was it YouTube? Huh? <laughs> you. <laughs> what was that last word? Uh, so I watched just a bunch of uh, Megan Mullally press rounds when when she was promoting Why Him. She said that for the first day of shooting uh and for most of the time during that movie james franco's costume was jeans and pubes yeah <laughs> and no shirt pretty much it's pretty much he it. plays like a like a millennial app creator yeah he, some like video game which that was yeah um, he's, he's like a he's like a palmer lucky type like a creator of a vr thing right i think it's a game for our phones okay but like a real popular game for phones it's called like ape assassins and you pull, you control like an army of ape assassins. He's not doing well in his industry in the movie. Yeah, it was it was fine. Uh, I also watched Kong Skull Island. Island. Ape assassins. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I won't talk too much about this because yeah, more guerrilla warfare. Uh, pretty much had the same things to say that Brett said about it because he watched it a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the superstars in the movie, Tom Hiddleston and Ma Brie Larson. Brie baby. Aren't really the main actors. I think once John C. Riley appears, he's. The main actor and Sam Jackson's honestly probably the lead. I think Sam Jackson always thinks he's the lead, but he actually was in the song. <laughs> I didn't talk to him. He didn't tell me he thought that. <laughs> it's weird. It's movie. like they're they're not the leads from the perspective of like Kong. They're the they're the characters that you like are following from their perspective necessarily because it's more Hiddleston and Larson. It's just that the main characters they're like number four and five. As yeah. far as screen time goes. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. So those are the only two movies I watched. Console Island's fun, though. Um, and it's going to be in the same... Me and Brent were talking earlier. Uh, the Monsterverse. Where it's mm-hmm. going to be tied into the last Godzilla movie. So the next one's called Godzilla Monsters of... Terascasi. I forgot what it's called. <laughs> but yeah, there's some Godzilla movie that's coming out soon. What is with, that? Uh, it's, it's in 2019. Yeah. So it'll be... And then there's going to be a Godzilla vs. Kong that's got a estimated release date like 2021. Are they going to bring back a Mothra standalone? You got you got like a cave painting of Mothra in this one. Hmm. So it was kind of hinted at anyway. Uh, and then I'll do these two that we all watch. Uh, I watched the last episode of The Leftovers. I thought it was good. I thought it was... Uh, I, it feels like a bridge episode to me. Like yeah. bridging the first half of the season to the latter half. Yeah. It definitely pushed the needle forward a little yeah. bit. Yeah, um, it puts all the characters on the playing field of Australia. I, I just really like that we are firmly back in the realm of Kevin is losing his fucking mind. Yeah, it's fun because the, the you know the whole like is he seeing her? Is he not 
seeing her had me the whole time to the yeah. point where like I didn't really care about Nora's plot. I mean, you kind of know how that's going to end. I think Nora's plot is interesting just because the thing I found most interesting was that uh, she answered the question differently from Dude in the Desert, the mm-hmm. question about the babies, mm-hmm. and she got the same result. She got rejected just like the guy in the desert did, which makes me wonder, like, is there any point to the question or is it just how you go about answering the question, which which matters to to those people? I thought it was interesting just because of Carrie Coon's performance in that. It's the beats you expect for how that's going to play out because obviously there's a bunch of episodes left, but I think she really played well the process of on face value, I'm not taking this seriously, like I'm just trying to follow up on this uh, deceit that's going on, and then her being really shaken that she doesn't have like the chance is gone now like it's fully gone yeah I don't yeah, even after they deliver and, the great lines about like odds are we're sending you to like a earthless oxygenless void where it's just like tons of corpses floating around I felt like she was gonna go through with it if yeah, she was yeah. given the opportunity I don't think she knew she was gonna go through with it until they told her she couldn't and I think that's the moment it kind of hit her that Maybe. she really wanted to do this. Uh, that she would have yeah, yeah. and I feel like she's finally grieving when she gets back to the hotel room and is lashing out at Kevin and a little unhinged. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, for her, it's been seven years of not knowing how to deal. Like, trying to find all these different ways of, like, paying prostitutes to shoot her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just doing, like, getting tattoos. And it's the yeah, the Wu-Tang band. Yeah. Yeah. Without a body, I think I, I heard uh, Damon Lindelof on one of the podcasts. He was doing podcast rounds. Mm-hmm. And, like, part of it is people are so fucked up because the typical grieving process, you have a body and certainty. And when the entire world doesn't have that, you have stuff like jumping on a trampoline is how you, you know, mm-hmm. express your grief. The traditional yeah. channels yeah. don't work for you or for anybody anymore. So everybody's trying to figure shit out. And to take, yeah. take to take a step back, I really think that she had achieved serenity with her decision to go forward after she spent the however long in the coffin, because that's like that that's finally her connection to death, which is related to her getting shot by prostitutes, her being comfortable with Kevin, like, (laughs) fucking strangling himself, like, all the time. And it doesn't matter if the device is real. If she, like, suffocates in a box, then she's with them, quote-unquote. Anyway, so... Yeah, Because they wake her up, and they open the box, and she's just like, what? Like, it looks like she's just had the first restful sleep in seven years. Looks like she wanted to stay in there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Quick question, uh... How many episodes before Grace tries to murder Kevin Jr. Now that they met at the end of this episode, yeah, like, I don't so know. Dad's just like, like you know, the, is Kevin? Are we, we going to see the hotel again this year? I think we just did. I think because uh. I thought that that was the same hotel. I I have had more time in between seeing last it's, season and this one. I thought it was like the same design and everything. I think it's a little different. It's a little different. But there were things about it that made me think, like, oh, this is the International Assassin thing. Like the TV. Yeah. And, I mean, think about how many times we've had tie-ins with TV. We have Mark Lynn Baker uh, as the only, like, actual real thing that happened on TV that we've been shown. Is that he is a person, and he's still playing a character, maybe, maybe a pseudonym, maybe it's actually the Mark, Mark Lynn Baker playing himself. You know what I mean? And then when Kevin watches the TV in the purgatory or whatever it is, is somehow seeing the TV in Kevin Sr.'s room that's recording Kevin Sr. 
And then now he's seeing imaginary things in the TV in Australia. I don't know. I feel like Damon Lindelof is hinting at some like greater like media controls us. We don't control media. And you also have in the there's the previous episode, but you have Nora like having the problems with technology and like the the kiosk and her GPS and all that stuff. I don't know. Could uh, kind of get connected in the next couple episodes. Only four left. I, I don't know which episode this season <laughs> I heard this line, but uh, does this ring a bell? Does someone saying to Kevin, who doesn't like pancakes, everybody likes pancakes? Does that ring a bell? Because I'm pretty sure I heard it this season, and it's also something that Jill's friend, her friend that's always like hanging around in season one, she also says that to Kevin mm-hmm. like in season one. It's where Jill's got that weird thing for Kevin. And mm-hmm. stays over that night, and the next morning is making breakfast. Like, Who does yes. pancakes? Yeah. yeah. And I heard that this season. I was like, what a weird callback. Like, I wonder how many of these I'm missing if I caught that. And it didn't seem to have any, like, it wasn't like a big moment. And it was didn't have any, didn't seem to have any relevance to it. But it was just weird that there was a callback like that. That it made me think, I wonder how many more there are. I don't know. I wonder. The, I thought about the TV thing before and, like, the overarching theme of the show being... Something to do with with media control. I don't know if it'll ever get like told. No, but one thing that made me realize that too is when they're in purgatory or whatever. The granddad, John's dad, who mm-hmm. shoots himself mm-hmm. so he can go help him there. Uh, the whole like don't drink the water thing. Yeah, was very to me like okay, I get it. Like yeah. it's don't get wrapped up in shit that. I feel like drinking I mean? water is accepting death. Sort of, it's accepting your. <laughs> I finality. think using that term though is more focused on. On media stuff, maybe yeah, and overarching everything, and almost like don't drink the Kool Aid, yeah, and and just just to extend my theory that I think that this is going to be a big like media is the answer. You have two big keystones for how important uh, controlling media are, and it's right now Kevin Senior and his tape giving him purpose, and all of the bully pulpit stuff from Christopher Eccleston's character. He's constantly first no good reason. I mean, I don't know anywhere in the world where a priest is communicating to people using a bullhorn and using speakers in the town and like using a microphone. But that's like, that's his platform is these giant projections of sound that are normally reserved for celebrities and media executives. And same with Kevin singing karaoke in the afterlife to come back. Like Uh I'm ready for the theories once the series is over. I think it's all kind of tributaries from the main thing. It's about grief. People dealing with grief. Sure. You deal with it through your church. You can tune it out with television and media. Mm-hmm. But I think it all goes back down to how we deal with loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how we deal with lost. How we deal with the ending of lost. Yeah, that's kind of what the show's about. Yeah. If, if Matthew Fox is in the series finale of this, <laughs> and Evangeline Lily's there, and they're like, "There's like a polar bear running through the street." Welcome, Mister Garvey, <laughs> and it's like, knew it. <laughs> oh, that's where they all go. That's yeah. where all the left, they, that's they where all, all the departed people went. Yeah, to, Chris, the, to the well, island. We, we they're been, the others. Have <laughs> we been inside the church? Yeah, Christopher Eccleston is like. Yeah. Welcome, my children. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that the people, that the group running this uh, scam that Nora was trying to uncover, I was kind of hoping that she would walk into a place that was like, like welcome initiative. to the Dharma Initiative. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we can, we can hook you up. But like, like, I don't want it to be like this big thing. Like, everyone would clearly hate it yeah. if it ended with a direct But if it was something that was like really esoteric thing. where you only super fans of Lost would get it or whatever. Yeah. Kind of like a J.J. Abrams connection. It's like, like yeah. Yeah. The Hanso Foundation. Like that's pretty <laughs> specific from Lost. Yeah. Well, Lind- Lindelof has, has more or less said that the series does not set out to answer questions. Yeah. Yeah. It tells a story about people in the backdrop of this 
for the event. Yeah. Not to dwell on that too long. Chris said one thing I just want to talk about real quick. Um, back in like the firm stance of Kevin being crazy. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all convinced he is for sure? I mean, one of my favorite shows is Battlestar Galactica, and I won't get into that, but so I don't think that he's crazy per se, but he's definitely being visited by visions. Okay. This is a world where ten percent of the world can ten percent two percent two percent of the world can disappear in front of your eyes. So I'm not going to start thinking that people who are seeing the dead or are crazy. Yeah, because I mean a lot of that too. There's no reason to think that all that shit with him dying and pushing baby Patty in a well, yeah, and coming back and her being gone isn't just fucking bullshit, right? I mean, it could be either. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like starting a show where one of the criticisms of True Blood is like it got too crazy, and it's like you're already talking about a world where vampires are real. Yeah. Right. So then saying that like werewolves are real, also it's like the reaction should be like okay. Yeah. Instead of like, that's too it's, ridiculous. It's suspended disbelief enough to get there. Dryads? Fuck that. I'm out. <laughs> that's like, my favorite example of that was when the, the casting for Fantastic Four was announced and the whole internet melted oh, down yeah. because uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan was uh, sibling to... Uh, Sue Storm. Kate Mara. Yeah. 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 People were like, that doesn't make sense. How could they be brother and sister? And I was like, yes, this is totally going to ruin... <laughs> This movie for me. Yeah. I, it's I'll going, tell you one thing that exists. There are more instances on Earth where there's a black brother and a white sister than there are human torches. <laughs> yes. there, there are an invisible woman and a fireman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just just to let you guys know who, who are listening, in case we can't edit it all out, TJ and I have opted to drink during this podcast for no reason other than we're recording on Friday. Morning at 9 o'clock. But we're yeah, Friday morning. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, I stole the two things that are normally group conversations for my watch list. Um, oh, Survivor. Please come up on the come up. Yeah, yeah, we can do Survivor too. Let's hit that come up. It was a lot. The, See you guys. Yeah, so that's the fourth thing I watched this week. Then the last thing I watched was this episode of Survivor. It's better than last week's. I thought less big news this week. Maybe loved ones. That was this week, right? Yeah. Yes. Loved yeah. ones always tears gets me. Oh yeah, it's every always touching. Time. It is always the hardest episode for. Anyone to navigate if they win the reward challenge yeah. is almost. And they always make them pick. It's really tough. Pick friends to take, which Ooh. is brutal. Who picked Andrea? Andrea. Well, they they met. Andrea was the one who said it both times. Andrea was the one who approached said was responsible for picking during tribal council. Council though, so I wonder if she had final say. But they still like con, like conferred. She turned and talked to Brad on it. Yeah. Because the first pick, I think, was easy. Was the first like, pick is so defensible. Sari. Yeah. Yeah. Like, kid, she missed her kid's high school graduation. Mm. And then he comes to the island in Fiji, has never left easy. This, like, the city. Yeah. Like, you can, it doesn't matter what alliance you're on. Be like, I want her to spend more time with her 18-year-old son before he goes off to And college. I thought Aubrey was a good pick because I think Aubrey's the easiest one to be, like, bought. Yeah, but yeah. then Ty. He and Michaela are an interesting little duo. Yeah, Michaela's a horrible choice because I think Michaela would turn on... Yeah, she'd give a shit. Not about not seeing her mom. She just doesn't care if you give that to her or not. She'll vent you out the next episode. I think Aubrey would be a little bit like reprehensive. Ty and Michaela would make that if they made it. If they stuck with an alliance, that would make for interesting TV. Stick with the alliance. Don't fucking tell anybody else. Yeah, yeah. and try to hide that. And keep playing where Ty runs to Brad and is like, "Hey, I heard they're going to vote this person from our alliance out." And Michaela running and being like, "Hey, Sari, they're voting this person out." And then just like sit there and play your fucking odds. And the two of them can swing a vote majorly. Every tribal council yeah. to the end. Also, Sarah can. Sarah's got a lot of power in the game now. Sarah, Sarah played really well. I don't understand how people don't notice that she's as strong as she is right now. She's yeah. playing really well. I still don't like her. I don't know why. <laughs> but she's really good. She's, yeah. she's the clear best player right now. I don't know that she 
it'll be interesting to see if she makes it to the final three, if she can win once she's there, because she is really testing the limits of bitterness, I think. Because, like, Sierra's going to be bitter when she finds out that... Uh, oh, Sarah, right. for the tribal council? She'll find out. Huh, for the jury. They now, see all the votes. No, okay. they don't see the votes, but they talk. They get to talk to other people who get voted out. So other people voted out from there on out will tell Sierra. True. But the way that Sarah expressed herself after Sierra went home, where she was just like, just like actually, she knew exactly surprised. how long she needed to keep that up for Sierra to transfer that legacy to her. Yeah. And then now, I mean, she has to know that like Sierra that's all she out. needed to do. She yeah. needed to get Sierra to give her that. She legacy. could have not voted for. Her. Yeah, Dave that would have been the, the best move. David and listeners, if you're not aware of what we're talking about with the transfer, mm-hmm. is a player, Sarah, had been told by Sierra that if Sierra somehow got voted out, she would give her an advantage that she got, like, week one. Yeah. It's a legacy advantage, so you have to pass it on. Yeah, so you will it to somebody by writing their name down. Huh. And so then Sarah flipped her game from voting Brad out originally, because Brad won immunity, to voting with a group that was going to vote Sierra out because she knew Sierra was going to pass down a legacy advantage and hmm. convinced the Ty-Michaela alliance to also vote Sierra out. So they overwhelmingly Damn. had her out. The family reunions, Sari was really touching yeah. and heartwarming. Uh, Ty's was also yeah. so adorable. <laughs> I loved when Sarah's husband came out first and Ty just like shot like a little wave <laughs> at Sarah's <Yeah>. husband. <laughs> Sierra was like, Damn! Damn, he fired. <laughs> Ty was funny. They're like, "Who's your loved one, Ty?" And he was Ty's a little adorable Asian gay man and a Vietnamese. I think he's like they're all crying. Everybody's bawling at that point. He's like, "The love of my life, Mark." And Mark runs out and they hug. And then the first thing Ty goes and says is, uh, "How are the cats?" <laughs> yeah, I laugh so hard. <laughs> so so funny. Yeah, so like wholesome. Yeah, it was a good episode. The the loved ones episode. It's just it's hard to watch during all that. And I was telling Cassandra watching it. I was like, man, if I had been away from you for 30 days, and then I saw you. I'd have missed you, and I'd hug you, but I wouldn't cry like this. But it's being on the island, being exhausted, like, mentally and physically. Deprived in every way match. Like, everybody just breaks down. Like, you totally understand. If you had to pick somebody who gets voted off next, who would you pick? Andrea. Me too. I think think they load that gun in. I'm going to stick with my theory of if you skip your week, you're free to next week. So I would rule out Brad and Andrea. I think they were both kind of on the chopping block this week a little bit. Well, they, the, the the preview made it sound like there's a big player going out. So I think it's either Andrea, Brad, or Sari. Yeah, I think Aubrey's almost safe for the final three at this point. Aubrey, wants and, to be. Aubrey and Troy Zan, you want in the final three with you. Because they've done absolutely fucking nothing. Aubrey for sure. Troy Zan could still like do some saving. Could could win some challenges. Troy is, yeah. uh, Troy is well-liked by everyone there. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people could scare some people. Like yeah. Sarah. Sarah should not want to sit next to Troy Zan at the finals. I'm going to go with Kayla you sit this in, week. You, Everybody doesn't. They all hate Michaela. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. If if Ty has two idols, he yeah. can play one of the He needs to partner. start fucking playing them. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, Ty knew who was going home. But on previous weeks, I guess he, everyone was getting blindsided every time they played. Yeah, this week, it was super obvious. It yeah. was one of the two. Uh, otherwise... They both knew it. Even. Why wouldn't Ty use an immunity idol on someone... Who's in the other camp, his own alliance, who might be getting the, the rest of the votes just to be safe and also to disabuse people of the notion that you might have an idol. Because if he has I mean, two idols, is a little far-fetched, right? Yeah. I don't know. We're down, to, a, we're down to eight people now? He's a hunter, though. Yeah. They all know he's the idol hunter in the group. 
Yeah. So I mean, if we get the if he makes it next week without using one, he's made it to the final five if he wants to be. Yeah. And I mean, you can't use it on four. Yeah. So he's running out of time. Well, yeah. and, and he's then, only got four episodes left to use the. Budget. And then what's crazy is week six if Officer Sarah sticks around, then you've already got like basically like two of your final four. Yeah, I mean it's setting up to have some crazy. Like fire building or drawn rocks. Troy Zen also has an idol. That that shit they said right. at the beginning of the season, the way that they edited it in, I think, to say, like, this season, if there's ties, we're going straight to rocks. Yeah. That's going to happen at some point. They edit all this shit after the season's over. Check yeah. out rocks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just thought about the tie automatically going to drawn rocks, though. Yeah. Which I think I have that right. It'd be hilarious if in week six, it's a six-way tie or whatever. Yeah. Because everybody votes for... Sarah and Ty, and they both play idols, and then everybody's just drawing rocks. That would be. When you imagine like Culpepper going home, drawing rocks on that. I mean, that's. I've only seen a person go home with rocks in one time, and it was the right person. It was last season. She could have changed her vote and sent somebody home, but she was like, I'm going to stay loyal. And then she drew the black rock and had to go home. And it's like, well, yeah, you're yeah. good. <laughs> my, my thing, I've tried to reckon with like, what if that happens? And in my mind, an alliance didn't play enough free agents. And if ties happen, then they didn't strategize well enough to prevent it from happening. Not like pulling a like a runner runner flush. Like I, I feel like it's it's just as fair for that than it is for building fires or some shit. Yeah, I mean, as good as all these players are, and as many idols as you know exist, you gotta start having a third vote out there, mm-hmm. knowing that you're going straight to rocks. You know what I mean? Yeah, but. I'm done. Chris, what'd you watch? <laughs> I watched two things this week. I watched the first two episodes of Documentary Now. Hey. The first two of season one. First two of season one. Season two just became available, so it's bubbling up to the top of Netflix's recommended stuff. So and the first two episodes you watched, that was the which ones were those? It's the Vice one. It's the Cat Lady one and then the and then the Vice one Mexico. Mexico? Yeah. It's the spoof on Grey Gardens, right? Yeah. And the spoof on Vice. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's not, it's never laugh out loud funny. No, it's super awkward funny. Yeah. yeah. But it's like afterwards, like you think about what you just watched and be like, that was funny. It's it's like episodes of Portlandia. Like I've never seen a bad episode of Portlandia, but yeah. I always laugh out loud at them. So far it's good. I'm I'm reserving that show for a gap filler. Like it's great to have on if it's, if we only have hour long TV recorded and we need to fill a half hour because we're about to go to bed or something. You know, that's a, that's an easy show to that's throw That's what we end up watching It and Portlandia is like. You watch it in thirty minute chunks before bed. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, but then it's like we made dinner. It's kind of late, but not late enough to go to bed. Yeah, it's like nine forty five. Like I'll doze up on the couch watching. Yeah, I think both seasons I've seen like half of them, which is pretty rare for me not to complete. And again, kind of just goes to show that's that kind of show. Yeah, it's entirely know. unnecessary to other stuff comes up and I forget about it. Yeah, it's like but I appreciate Black it. Bear. Yeah, it's very clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Black Bear is a good call too. I watch it in like I watch three episodes and then I won't watch it for five months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched that. I don't really have a lot to say about that. I'm not going to talk about something that I kind of watched. I kind of half rewatched Loser, that awful Jason Biggs movie, but I've got nothing revolutionary to say about it. It's a bad movie. Save it for our upcoming announcement of our third podcast a week, which is the kind of watch list. <laughs> yeah. the... I saw a baby in a car. Our first, <laughs> our first topic is movies that are kind of okay, and you agree that they're like not very good. They're all right. That'll probably be our most popular. <laughs> yeah, just us, just middling about everything. This was fine. 
<laughs> Speaking of something being just fine, I also watched Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh. Ooh. It was amazing. <laughs> no, it was it was okay. And in favor of not spoiling a movie that just came out, mm-hmm. I'll talk wide story beats. It could have been Fast and the Furious 8 hmm. because the entire thing is very... Uh, Family? Car-oriented? <laughs> yes, family. Oh. It's very drill in the, this is about family, this is about relationships, this is about, every character at some point says, like, you're like a brother, or you're like a father, uh, or you're my sister to each other. Well, yeah, the, other, the, the other sister joins the Guardians, right, in this one? No. Kind of, sort of? Kind of, sort of. I think I think she's probably the most interesting character at the end of the day. Her and uh, James Gunn's we're, brother, we're Sean, talking about Sean Gunn. Gamora's sister, right? Nebula. Nebula. Karen Gillan's character. But I think that Karen Gillan's character, Nebula, and Ragnar, the number two of the uh, Ravagers under Michael Rooker. Yondu? He is the director's brother. Yeah. And he also does the motion capture for Rocket, I found out. Oh, cool. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you look at this as like a good story told, they're the best characters from start to finish. Mm-hmm. They have the most dynamism in their plots and their emotions and everything. I feel like you could say the same thing about the first one almost. I've watched it a couple times. It's super fun. Like, really fun to watch. I love watching it. But the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, I'm going to need to watch it again because I have no idea what happened <laughs> Yeah, but at least you go with the feeling rather than knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> but at least in the first one you have Rocket and Groot turning from outlaws you, you, to good you, outlaws. You build the team, and there's that story. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I think that you have enough going on with that, with Gamora being the, the stepdaughter of Thanos, who is not actually a bad guy, is finally free of her Kree captors. There, there's more going on. And less Guardians being Guardians. It's it's entertaining. It's an MCU movie. Everyone's going to fucking watch it no matter if I say if it's good or not. Yeah, you know? MCU's earned that. Yeah. At this point. Um, yeah. One thing I will say. Do you guys have a guess about the post credit scene? Is it Thanos yawning? David, do you have a guess? Return of Nick Fury. Do you have a guess, TJ? I'm going to guess Thor. All of you are... You all had a possible percent chance of getting this right of only 20%. There are five fucking post-credit scenes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's not like the one uh, X-Men movie where you got like one or three, depending on the theater you're in. Uh, one of them doesn't even count as a post-credit scene, but for the roll-up, it they call it one. But after the finish of the movie, there are five scenes. And half of them are worthless. And not only that, but the credits also feature all of the characters, like portraits, all dancing to whatever like great classic rock songs playing. Brandy or something. Yeah. Yeah. So the ending scenes are ridiculous. But yeah, I I, I would read about the scenes rather than sit through all of them. Yeah. Anyway, I saw it. It's fine. But Everyone will see it. It'll make a billion dollars. It's not fantastic. David will see it in two years. Yeah. I would. It's on Netflix. I would put it on the level of Thor: The Dark World. Oof. I like Thor: The Dark World, I so I should probably position that. I would put it. This is one of Molly's favorites. I would put it still good. I think. Yeah, I would put it in line with the Thor movies. If you're looking at the, okay. the major storylines of the MCU, I would position it somewhere between the Thors. But that's what I saw. That's where I want to be. That's in, it. in between the Thors. Okay. I'll uh, I'll quickly go next. I watched the first ten minutes of the next episode of uh, The Handmaid's Tale <laughs> because, and or, unfortunately, I had to stop at ten minutes uh, because my internet went out. And, oh, no. yeah, and so Are you okay, uh, Brent? I moved on to something else. And so, I'm so sorry. Uh, 
everything else that I watched this week we have either already covered or I'm saving it for next podcast. <laughs> you like so. you turned into the guy at the end of uh, the Truman Show. You like picked up a book and like held it upside down for a second, <laughs> turned it around and started reading <laughs> yeah. it. The internet went up. Yeah. So that's it. Wow. That's it for me. <laughs> I can't follow that up as far as brevity and yeah. all time record. <laughs> How breezy is the solo thing? Oh, I don't know. I haven't been here twice. <laughs> <laughs> TV show I watched, I, I heard about it and I picked it up on a whim. It's on Netflix. Wait, you save it? I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, this is going to get hard. <laughs> uh, I watched, uh, have you guys heard of Hap and Leonard? Yeah. Whoa. Sorry, that was real loud. I just got excited. It's, uh... Yes! What's his name? Who's in it? Go ahead. Talk about the thing you it's, saw. It's, uh, James Purifoy is Hap, and Michael K. Williams is Leonard. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Michael nice. K. Williams is good. I saw it on, like, it's a TV show I had on my list, and it was described as a uh, swamp noir. And I like noir, and I like, uh, like... Swamp stuff. noir? <laughs> I like swamps. <laughs> in, as you guys know, it's my thing. My, Your swamp thing? Bachelor party in a bog. <laughs> It's it's really good. Uh, I I enjoyed it. It's it's kind of a classic noir setup, and I think it goes in a different kind of place. Any noir, it's all about like the twists and stuff. But the atmosphere is great. I like the uh, real sense of place. It takes place in Texas. Mm-hmm. Supposedly swamps in Texas, I guess. I just thought it was all all desert. All desert and cow skulls. <laughs> like West Texas is all Texas. All mean ladies and cowboy hats. But uh, you guys should check it out. Michael K. Williams is really good in it. He also, he plays another gay character. Cap, Cap and Tap? What's it called? Cap and Leonard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leonard coming. Cap and Leonard. Alright. But Michael K. Williams plays another gay character after Omar. And it's uh, interesting. It takes place in the 80s in Texas. And Christina Hendricks is in it. Whoa, she hasn't been in a lot since She hasn't been in a man. lot. And she's a, she's a sultry uh, a fatale a, in that. Human hourglass. Nice. <laughs> this is a human hourglass. <laughs> Being loaned out to Japanese businesses to tell time. Uh, besides that, uh, kind of going off your point of Guardians of the Galaxy, I know Kurt Russell's in that. Yes. I know I wasn't going to see Guardians of the Galaxy this weekend. <laughs> so you watched uh, Big Trouble in Little China. You watched The Fox and the Hound. <laughs> this guessing is great. <laughs> you watched Death Proof. It is the 20-year anniversary of... Uh, Executive decision. 20-year anniversary of when Escape in New York was set. Oh, that's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say. Not Big Trouble Little China. <laughs> but I finally saw uh, Escape from New York. I'd never seen it before. I, I, I haven't seen a John Carpenter movie I haven't really loved yet. And uh, I really love The Thing. Um, yeah. It's good. Snake Plusskin seeing a kind of a solid snake origin yeah. is really interesting. Uh, Kurt Russell's great silent charisma throughout that movie. And despite being really fantastical about like all New York is a prison and the uh, president crash lands his plane in there and the like apocalyptic denizens of this prison have taken him hostage. Despite that, he really makes it realistic. <laughs> nice. You kind of just jump in the middle of it and things are kind of matter of fact. They That's don't go out of their way to explain things like, oh yeah, because this happened, there's these cannibals in the sewer. They're just like, oh so shit. fucking cannibals in the sewer. Yeah. Yeah, I love it movies like that. It just ha- like, you'll just see people like sprinting in the background. It's like, oh yeah. Just, shit's happening. Is that streaming on something? It's streaming on Netflix. Cool. I'm not check that out. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, I've you know, n- never I'm, seen it before. I might too. I need to watch the movie that gives No Your Solid protagonist its namesake. Yep, I liked it. It's fun. And then after that, I was on a Kurt Russell kick. So I watched uh, Never Seen It Before: Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, nice. 
fucking spoiled it. <laughs> I didn't spoil it. I thought I had gotten it wrong when I said Escape from... I thought I was guessing Escape from New York. But I, I'd never seen it before. I know a lot of people love that movie and, uh, you know... It's a weird one. All-timer for some people. It didn't do a lot for me when I, when I watched it. I watched it for the first time, like, two, three months ago, too. Oh, because I saw it and I loved it. Nice. I, when I was watching it, I, I was thinking, like, if I saw this when I was, like, 12 years old... It's like, this would probably be one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's another thing, it's another John Carpenter movie, you know, part of his trilogy with Kurt Russell, these two movies and The Thing. You really, again, drops you in the world. It's like, you just happen upon a millennia-long war between these Chinese religious factions and there's gods and goddesses and demons and stuff, and it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's this character, Egg, sh- have you guys all seen it? Mm-hmm. No, but it doesn't matter. There's a character, Egg Shen, who just, like, is loading up for the final battle, and, like, has, like, a bag with stuff in it. And he's like, what's that? It's my sixth demon bag. He's <laughs> like, what's in it? Wind, fire, all that sort of thing. <laughs> and she's like, all right. <laughs> it's like, Got it. Yeah. You really see a difference from older movies and new movies. The level of explanation was just, I don't know, they kind of just treated you as you are just watching something happening, rather than everyone needs to know every backstory yeah. for every single thing. That's true. And you need a prequel to explain every character. That's what I saw happen, Chappie, and uh, two little Kurt Russi movies. Wait, you saw Chappie also? <laughs> Did I miss that conversation? Did yeah. I fuke state out? Yes, yeah, the Swamp Noir. Okay. <laughs> Happy Chappie? What? <laughs> what? Now you're right to ask questions after the sounds that David just made. <laughs> just, yeah. just, just ask more real questions. Happy Chappie? Happy Chappie, Dappie Do. Good question, bro. Welcome to the Happy Chappie Podcast. We're talking about Chappie on the Dampy. It's our new segment. <laughs> <laughs> we go on the streets. Is that right? Is that what we're doing next? Did I do it right? Oof. So we're going to transition to our news segment. It is called Breezy on the Streets. I'm still, I'm still breezy, breezy on, on the Streets. streets. <laughs> I still love that Brent refuses to. <laughs> I don't refuse to do anything. Interact with singing the theme song like we all try to do. <laughs> Basically, it's TJ, and I half-heartedly join in. But uh, we'll talk about... Uh, Chris has a great segment for us. We like to talk about trailers, and Chris saw some. <laughs> this is Breezy in the Streets, brought to you by Chris. Al's gonna love this. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of our listeners enjoys the Breezy on the Streets segment. <laughs> yeah. So, I saw a movie that had trailers packaged with it, so I want to talk about trailers of movies that are coming out, not now, but later. What were they? They were... So I saw the Thor Ragnarok trailer, which we've talked about before. It yeah. wasn't any different, but that movie still looks neat. Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, it's, it looks like the most lighthearted of the Thor movies so far, which is hard because there's always like a bit of d- detached reality when it comes to the Thor movies where you have to do the fish-out-of-water jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is very fish-in-water, but still Thor is playing the character where he learned the traits that he's an outsider and making. Anyway, but the it's the, it's the, it's the Hulk call and battle trailer. Yeah. I love that they're positioning it as like a buddy cop movie. Yeah. But with superheroes. Yeah. It's just interesting. Saw the uh, the, the new-ish trailer for Dunkirk. Hmm. Um, I feel like that is a movie that, that we're not going to ever stop talking about. Like for the rest really of the year. Good. It looks really good. Like insufferably. Insufferably good? Or insufferably, insufferably so. Yeah. Hmm. Is, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean just like we're going to talk about it because it's oh, going to be so good. It's going to be so good it makes people who see it insufferable. 
like that. Yeah. Like Breaking yeah. Bad. It's right. an insufferably good TV I can show. imagine just like any Christopher yeah. Nolan movie, the coverage of it is also going to be insufferable. If you like some movie blogs, everything's going to be breaking down Dunkirk stuff. Because, you know, Nolan was like indie, 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 and then... Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> <laughs> That was the quietest high five, but it still shows like you guys brought a smoke monster in here. You didn't. Know. We had antimatter between our hands. But yeah, and then he had Dark Knight and the Batman movies, plus like Inception, and now it's Christopher Nolan directs a war epic. Like, of course, it's going to be fucking Oscar bait. Yeah. Like the Oscar talk started. We joked about it the day that we recorded our Oscar podcast, our uh, predictions podcast. Yeah. TJ was like, well, I know what my favorite for Best Picture is. It's Dunkirk. The trailer makes it look really good. It makes it seem like it doesn't focus so much on the Battle of Dunkirk. Which, if you don't know about it, it's a really interesting period in history. Mm-hmm. Um, that battle and the mistakes made and what people attribute. It's where the, a lot of the like women and children from Europe were rescued from mm-hmm. and brought to England. I've been there. What's his name from, uh, from Bridge of Spies? Mark Rylance. Yeah. I'm super excited for him to be yeah. in anything. Yeah, Mark Rylance, I yeah. think... If, if he does well and the movie does well, I think is going to be a shoe-in for at least supporting actor. Um, there's no way that you can't play a put-upon uh, private fisherman who, it's my duty, like, I need to go save these soldiers. We got uh, trailers for The Mummy movie, which is an abomination because they don't have Brandon Fraser in it. The Abominable Mummy. Yeah, yeah. Good point. We are a pro-Brendan Fraser. Fraser. We are a pro Let's go out there and give it 110%. There's the uh, <laughs> Homecoming Spider-Man trailer that we talked about before. Sure. Um, I really, I think it was the first time Kelly saw it. Michael Keaton, I think, is going to be great in it. Michael Keaton's playing Birdman. Um, but then the one that I think that we were weirdly the most excited about, which also broke, I guess, when this movie came out a week and a half ago, the Pirates trailer. Really? Yeah. I bet you that took you by surprise. It did. It wasn't until after Kelly was like, I know it's a dumb movie franchise, but I kind of want to see that movie. I thought about it, and I was like, well, yeah. It's Javier Bardem plays the big bad. You know, there's your typical Jeffrey Rush playing... Jeffrey Rush, right? Playing Captain mm-hmm. Barbosa, yeah. um, who is the ever-present antagonist to Jack Sparrow. Obviously, Johnny Depp's in it, because he's going to make a fucking cool billion off it. And a kid who I think is supposed to be positioned as Will Turner and Keira Knightley's son. Hmm. But ten years after the events of Pirates 3... Because that's the next time that uh, Will Turner can come on land again. Because uh, the whole mythology, you guys know the mythology behind the Pirates movies, do you give a shit? Some Davy Jones-ass shit. Yeah, so Orlando Bloom's character took over the, the role of Davy Jones from uh, Squid Face. Um, Squid Face. Bill, uh, <laughs> Nye? Bill yeah. Nye's yeah. character. The and Flying so, Dutchman or something? Yeah, the, the, the boat's the Flying Dutchman, yeah. yeah. And so he can only go on land once every 10 years to see his beloved... I'm the Dutchman now. So he goes to land to see Kira Knightley at some point in the near future after the events of the third movie. And so I guess the idea is that... Because the kid looks exactly fucking like a teenage Orlando Bloom. Oh, yeah. Swim. Yeah. So I think it's going to tie in Orlando Bloom. I think there's rumors he's in it, but Kira Knightley's not. Let me go ahead and say I'm never going to see that movie. It's got Javier Bardem in it. I love yeah. Javier Bardem. I see. One, what's the last Javier Bardem movie? This one, maybe. Last one. I got oh, the- it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is set for life. It doesn't. It's at least this, this one. This acting <laughs> shit anymore. I'm not sure, but well, for me, it takes like ten minutes for me to figure out which one is Javier Bardem and which one's one with, Benicio he's the one, del Toro. He's the one with the awesome haircut. 
He's the one who said uh, Burgess of Madison County was his most influential movie. He's the... What's his name from... Anton Sugar. Yeah. Vicky Cristina Barcelona? Is that yeah. him? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But he plays he plays the captain of the Spanish Armada. Is he Guardians? Hmm. Or is that Benito del Toro? That's Benito del Toro. Son of a bitch. Your questions don't... Which one's a Bond villain? Bardem. Bardem. Okay. Both? That'd be a fun <laughs> game sometime. For you only. Yeah. <laughs> Bardem's gonna be in Mother. Oh. The Darren Aronofsky... I'm excited Oscar about that movie. This year movie. Mother's that this year movie based off the Jonathan Lethem. <laughs> it's Friday night. Oh, no. Drinking. no, it's yeah. not. I think okay. it's original. Okay. Darren Aronofsky. Yes, Darren Aronofsky movie starring Bardem, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Ed Harris, and Kristen Wiig. Whoa! I think it's got didn't that Don, uh, Donald Gleason. I thought it had Jennifer Lawrence too. Uh, bye. No, she's in the uh, that David Russell movie. No, she's in <laughs> whatever the fuck the David Russell movie is. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Since this last movie was. Are. He was in a movie called The Last Face. Sean Penn directed it with him and Charlize. Gotcha. Huh. Oh, just buddies hanging out. So yeah, I've been in a lot since uh, Skyfall, though. I'm still sticking with my 2017 Oscar pick of what is still called Untitled Paul, Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson <laughs> Fashion Drama Film starring oh. Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to come out this year, though. That's going to be the only thing. Uh, it's set to be released on Christmas Day. It I, just watched, I watched a YouTube time. interview with Paul Thomas Anderson. He was like, yeah, I'm making it. Like, you got pissed when somebody was asking him about it. Yeah. He was like, what? I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I make movies all the time. It's like, all right, whatever. Um, and then two trailers that I didn't see, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about one of them. <laughs> it's a great topic. Trailers I didn't Last see. Tango in Paris? Didn't see the trailer for that. It's, no. Well, the, the Cars 3 trailer came out. Cars 3 is a phenomenon, whether you like Cars or not. Sure. Um, came out the rivalry trailer. Um, I'll probably come back to it. I'm going to watch it. It's a Pixar movie. Yep. Someone said that Cars 3 is going to follow, like... Another movie's plot, like a classic movie. That makes sense. It's like sense. a takeoff on something. I forget I mean, what Cars it was. 1 did. Yeah, Cars 2 did also. Yeah. Oh, what's Cars 2? I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, I know that there's a... Cars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really excited for the, just random, I'm excited for the Pixar Oscar movie. The, uh, what's it called? Seco? The oh, Me- yeah, Mexican... it's the Day of the Dead movie. Yeah, Day of the Dead movie that's coming out. It'd be really oh, interesting. Really fun. Cool. And the other the other trailer is um, absolutely anything. We didn't talk about it last week. There's the new Simon Pegg movie. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it was a slow burn on the trailer gaining traction, but it's basically Simon Pegg has like god powers. It, it, it looks fun. I think it's, I don't know if he wrote or directed it also, but it seems like a Simon Pegg written and directed and starred in. Hmm. Um, but it's him controlling the universe just with like voice commands. Yeah. I do love Simon Pegg, but the more time that goes by and the more movies without Edgar Wright, like I can't think of a Simon Pegg movie I enjoyed without Edgar Wright. Maybe the f- first Star Trek. I really liked one. Um, shit, what was Paul. It uh, I didn't really like Paul. I wasn't a huge fan of Paul either. I liked the. Uh, did you ever see uh, Run Fat Boy Run? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Hector in the Search for Happiness. Anybody yeah. ever see that? No, it was really good. Cool, but yeah, so. Those are the trailers that are around the internet right now. And I frequent the trending YouTube channel. Like, trending YouTube videos. So, try and stay on top of trailers. I know there's one I'm missing, but who cares about it? I'll throw it out. I watched the the full... I know I teased it last week, but uh, I watched the full trailer for Blade Runner 2049. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Really cool. I I thought we talked about it, but yeah. We we talked about the trailer for that trailer. Oh, that's right. That's That's all that was up. It looks... I know it's like a... uh, Officially, I guess since Harrison... Since uh, Deckard is in it, I guess it's a sequel. Mm. 
The terms are always nebulous for me, but it looks aesthetically like a carbon copy of a lot of the same things that were in the first one. Like the Neo-Tokyo in America type mm. aesthetic. Yeah. The giant billboard thing that interacts with the main character. There's a lot of it that seems the same. Yeah. But it's, like I said, it's Denis Villeneuve, so I'm sure he's got some things up his French-Canadian sleeve. Mm-hmm. As far as Breezy on the Streets go, Breezy here and David, <laughs> we've got some news for you guys, and we are super excited it about it. It just broke. This is... So you're going to hear it two days later. Yeah, uh, more. <laughs> we'll hear it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But while we were recording, David? News break came out that Jason Bateman has officially signed on for season five of Arrested Development. Arrested Development! Yay! They're putting together a writer's room and everything from what I was looking up while you were talking shit about Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you always hear before the fourth season happened, it was like rumors, rumors, rumors for like three years. So it sounds like they got a writer's room together. Bateman has signed. I don't know if that means the other characters have. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like he's the first domino sort of that has to fall. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a I'm actually a proponent that I, I liked the fourth season of Arrest Development. I know some people didn't. I did too. But the way it ended, you really want kind of some follow up there. Yeah. At least I did. I think it ended in a great I love the final scene of that season. The only problem with season four is just by comparison to the first three seasons, which are just so right. perfect. Sure. And people also had so much more time to like delve into them and just live in them. And the storytelling yeah. behind season four was was odd because of the like the scheduling problems with all the actors. So they they had to do like a whole episode for one person, right? And they kind of had to tell it differently, right? It felt a little monotonous at times. Season four because they were all focused on the same the same way the final season of How I Met Your Mother did because they were all focused on it was like ten episodes all revolving revolving around the same event, and it just. Kinda got old, but um, it, it was still good, and I'm excited for whatever season five is. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite comedy of all time, so I'm never not going to be excited for more of it. Right. Oh, I just hope I can recognize Portia de Rossi this time <laughs> because holy hell, I was like, who is this? Who is that? Yeah. Yeah. Why do they keep calling her Lindsay? <laughs> I think I know the next live action Disney movie that's going to be released. <laughs> Random segue. Breaking news: release released or announced. Announced. Released. This apparently has a 2019 release date. Or no, 2018 release date. Oh, really? Yeah. Before Lion King and before before Aladdin? Says Wikipedia. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say... No, there's not Cleopatra. Pocahontas. Nope. Uh, I'm against Mulan. It is Mulan. Really? Yeah. We got it right? You mentioned the the Dumbo thing in our chat. I thought it was going to be Dumbo. The Dumbo's way down the line. Tim Burton is just like... Signed on is like I want to do that. Of course you fucking do. Ugh. Disney has apparently yeah got over ten in the works now. Right. Live action animated remakes. Why wouldn't they? Right. His yeah. Jungle Book was great. It's money. Like it yeah. wasn't bad. It's not like I have any kind of precedent for these movies suck. Like Jungle Book was good. Beauty and the Beast is apparently pretty good. Yeah. All, why not? All of the Cinderella's people. kind of boring. Cinderella was boring. Yeah. Cinderella's boring. Yeah. <laughs> All of the people who were, like, children when your movies came out and they were animated are now, like, 20-somethings and 30-somethings. So with kids? Some live action with yeah. kids, yeah. Makes experience of sense. Yeah, we I, have kids. We're I also really have, uh, <laughs> have a soft spot in my heart for Mulan. Actually, we saw it in the theaters. Yeah. We took our, our cousin and it's like, oh, here's a Disney princess movie. And it was just so awesome. Sneaky yeah. good music in Mulan. Yeah, if that movie Fucking does not Donny have... Donny Osmond. I'll make a man out of you. <laughs> 
then I am picketing. So yeah, they're apparently they're like trying to go very what appropriate, I guess. They're currently like searching hard for a Chinese. Michelle Yeoh. They should catch Michelle Yeoh. She's not Chinese, but she's too old. It's gotta be Chinese is what I've read. Uh, they're like searching for only Chinese because they don't want to go through all that. Hmm. And they shouldn't. Hmm. Um, I've got I've got news. It's something that's not going to be talked about because um, no one really You're cares pregnant? about it. Um, I've been waiting for this platform to tell you guys. I'm expecting <laughs> to finish the sentence. <laughs> not really, well, but good talk then. Uh, this week, um, an MTV legend passed away. Yeah, I had that on my notes too. Okay, uh, Christopher Big Black Boykin from uh, yeah. MTV's Robin Big, <clears throat> Mr. Do Work himself, uh, passed away at 45. He's the kind of person who's not going to get the memorials and eulogies that he deserves. Um, just really funny. His relationship with Rob Deerdeck <clears throat> broke apart. Um, but I watched some clips last night falling asleep. They're really funny. Yeah. He would make me gut laugh, though. And Robin Big, I have such a place in my heart. I've just watched it every time it was on MTV oh, yeah. back in the day. And I was hearing he was actually really good with... Uh, I think he died of complications or something. So it wasn't uh, unexpected. Yeah. That he managed his money really well. Daughter or his, his children are really set up for their future going forward. That's, that's crazy. Which is like financial responsibility in an MTV reality star is kind of super admirable, especially since he was just like a bodyguard turned guy who's just on a show. Yeah, and and from from all accounts, the relationship between Rob and Big soured over money and over you know Big Black not wanting to be in the spotlight because of his uh, young daughter. So. That he passed away leaving a healthy chunk of MTV's blood money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is, is is good to hear. But you know, it happened on the same day that, that James Comey was fired. So it was if there was a story that was way below the fold, it was that. Right. I got another uh, R.I.P. smaller actor, Michael Parks. Saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a, a hidden uh, gem in like Kill Bill Volume Two, in was... the first scene, and Kevin Smith movies like. I think he was in Tusk, Red yeah. State. Hadn't seen. It was them, but. bizarre how it was announced, though. It was broken. The, that that he died was broken by Kevin Smith tweeting it out. Oh, yeah. Is is the first source to confirm that he had passed away was Kevin Smith saying that his muse Michael Parks had passed away. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe the way that it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, family, yeah. Family it, made us. Yeah. Could have been it's like not, it's not going to make like news, you know what I mean? Yeah, if if like Michael Park's like son or daughter came home and was like, I know Kevin would have wanted to know immediately, right? You know, yeah. I guess I don't know how close he ended up getting. Like, probably pretty close if yeah, it's one of the first to know. Yeah, I got one more piece of news, and we can uh, throw it up to the the newsroom for anything else. But uh, they announced, I think today, a uh, X Men movie spinoff. You guys see this? You guys hear about this? Uh, New, New mutants. mutants. Yeah. Oh yeah. With uh, Anya Anya Taylor Joy, who's in The Witch and uh, Split, they're on that. Blonde yeah, she's going to be Magic, who is uh, Colossus's sister that can do um, magic tricks. <laughs> magic, and it's got uh, Arya Maisie Williams. Nice. Yeah. She's going to be Wolfsbane. Cool lady who can turn into a werewolf. Really, <laughs> really stretching. They're just collecting uh, Stark children, but until they get Rick and. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, is is this a movie or TV show? Movie. Okay. Be fun. <laughs> so Breezy has a. Oh, this is just very modern news, but it's something you're probably going to see on social media a lot. Uh, 
Did you hear the, the... The 10 things you need to share with your friends? <laughs> this is getting shared a lot. I, I can already tell. Uh, the Tim Allen show, Last Man Standing, God. got canceled. Yeah. Have you heard about the, yeah. the outrage over that? So yeah. just because really? Tim Allen happens to be somewhat conservative, his... Uh, his show got canceled, and there's a lot of speculation. Because the ratings were fine. From just, people who don't follow the business of television. Yeah, it was contract negotiations. Like, yeah. Obviously. Well, he was already one of the highest paid actors on television. Yeah. His show was airing on Friday nights. His show isn't owned by ABC, and it's owned by like 20th Century Fox, and apparently mm-hmm. that's a sticking point a lot in yeah. negotiations. Sure. And, I mean, that's why it got canceled. Also, uh, ratings have been like... Great for five seasons, Friday night ratings. And then uh, this season, they were still, like, decent. but They just, weren't bad enough to get canceled for ratings. Right. But, but it's borderline enough where you can't pay a guy, like, $250,000, $500,000 an episode. Plus pay Fox. Plus pay, pay yeah. Fox. That's why it got canceled, despite what you're going to read on Facebook which and is, social media. Which yeah. Is, I'm sorry. No fucking way. ABC is going to give away money. No. ABC <laughs> is going to always do its best. It's fucking Disney for Christ's sake. Well, plus, like right now, it's in the business. It's like leading up to upfronts where they debut like new properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like a it was like a culling of 35, 45 different shows got canceled. Um, a lot of them I didn't really watch. Two different time shows, Timeless and Time After Time. Their time has uh, ended. Sleepy Hollow got canceled. Sleepy Hollow, a bunch of stuff. There's like 50 of them. There's a ton. One of them's American Crime. I know you you uh, watch that show. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an anthology show, so like... Sure. Brent will make it to the bees one day now. There won't be. <laughs> yeah. Well, it started American Gods, so... Did you watch the second episode of that? I did yes. not yet. Me neither. Good. Yeah. We can save it. Cool. That's it. What? That's how we wrap up? The Talkie Talk pick for this weekend is Alien Covenant coming out. Oh, uh, yeah. Looks good. I really want to see that in theaters. There's a small chance that I, you know, that Kelly and I abscond from Mother's Day activities on Sunday and go see a movie. Um, and it would be that if we did. Nice. <clears throat> okay. So, uh... So this was uh, Talkie Talk, podcast for the Media By Us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter at the Media By Us. Email us via the Media By Us at gmail.com. Or our Facebook groups, Movies By Us, TV By Us, Games By Us. We would love to hear from you for any podcast topics. And please subscribe to the podcast and give us ratings. One or five stars now. We'll accept either. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're willing to be the most hated don't, movie podcast. Don't be one of those two-star cheeky bastards. Yeah, though. fuck you if you think we're a three-star podcast. <laughs> just just fully commit. And I want to say thanks again to the Willow Walkers for preven- pre- <laughs> preventing the intro music. <laughs> for, pre- for providing the intro music. And they have a new Facebook page, and we are linking to it on the show notes. Cool, cool. Yep. They want to say thanks in the show. <laughs> thanks will be in the show notes for the outro music, as we don't have it yet. <laughs> Can we first say thanks to Franklin for this outro? Yep. Dogs of War are at the door. Yeah. So this means uh, the battle has begun. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We'll see you guys in the post-apocalypse uh, next week. More in a couple days. Next pod. Yeah, we'll check out the next pod. Yeah, bye for Empire Day, bye TJ. Saying there, I thought you meant 
Brandy, Brandy, the, the boy is mine. Brandy and Monica. It's, yeah. it's actually Thanos singing "The Boy Is Mine." <laughs> the turning <laughs> stones are mine. 